chapter 15. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my fa father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, be heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Your fellow redeemed in Christ. Luke chapter 15 is a chapter of lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and finally, a lost son. When I taught confirmation class in one of the last class periods each year, I would read through these words of Jesus from Luke 15, and I would tell the confirmants, who were usually 13 or 14 years old at the time, remember this story from Jesus. And I would go on to explain why. I know what happens to many children after confirmation, and especially after high school. They drift away from church. They find other things that are more enjoyable on a Sunday morning than gathering with God's people around word and sacrament. They become apathetic about their faith in Christ, thinking, what does it even matter? At that point, the students would usually comment about how they really couldn't imagine leaving church. For most of them, going to church was routine, normal. Why would they stop? To which I would, would, I would respond, you don't know yet the full weight of the hatred Satan has for believers, or the full weight of the world's despising of you, nor of your own sinful desires. But I would go on to tell them, no matter how far you may fall away from your Savior in the coming years, even the decades to come, no matter how far, I want you to remember what Jesus teaches you here in Luke 15. So what is, what is that teaching? We're told about a man with two sons. 
the younger son asks his father for his inheritance. His father is not dead. And so this request is not only odd, but insolent and disrespectful. Basically saying, it's better for me if you're dead, dad. Nevertheless, his father divides his inheritance and the younger son gets his share. The inheritance doesn't last. The son goes to a faraway country and wastes it all. That's how the younger son uses the inheritance that he thought was so important. But he didn't plan on a famine, a time of trial for which he was unprepared. And unable to provide for himself anymore, he's forced to find a job sweet, uh, feeding swine, bringing food to pigs. The choice of swine here as the animal the son must feed is one which would strike the hearers of Jesus as a shocking decision. Pigs are ceremonially unclean for Jews. And yet the son has sunk so low that feeding swine is the only way for him to survive. It's at this low ebb of his life that he crafts his plan to return home. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. At first glance, the son's plan appears to be a sound one. Admit the wrong and choose a way to make good for your sin. Make me like one of your hired servants. The problem is that the son seeks to rely on his own repentance and his own choice of how to show his humility. It is a self-centered repentance. See how sorry I am. Let me earn back your love. This son has not yet realized the depth of his fall. He thinks only of a law answer to his predicament, a way for him to warrant his father's forgiveness. And this is where our Lord shows us the mercy and grace of God in contrast to the law. As the son returns home, there's a key phrase that displays God's love for sinners. But when the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. His father is not standing there waiting for the wicked son to crawl back to him. He's not looking for his son as he approaches with arms crossed, perhaps uh, slowly tapping his foot as he awaits his son's return. Rather, his father saw him a long way off, and the father runs to the son, showing his compassion, the depth of his love for a son that was lost and is now found. It is to this part of the parable that I would point the confirmation students. Look at the Father. Consider how Jesus shows what he will do for you, how he will run toward you, how he will welcome you, not with a scowl, not with berating or adding to your guilt. The son's sin is admitted, and there is no penance imposed by the Father, no earning of the Father's compassion. It is given freely. There is mercy and there is a feast. Let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We fall away from our Savior in various ways at various times. We may have plans on how to make things right with God. If only we can 
think of a sufficiently humble demonstration of our sincerity as we admit our guilt. Or maybe we'll be so ashamed that we can hardly think God will ever take us back or forgive us or love a sinner. Look at the Father greeting the Son. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. He showed his compassion for you at the cross where he gave his life for you, giving you new life that he still wants you to have despite your sin, despite your shame. He comes to you. He brings his word of promise. You are forgiven. The feast of his body and blood, Holy Communion, brings you the remission of your sins, the very medicine we need, the very gift God prepares for you again and again. Jesus does not wait to greet you as a stern judge who is ashamed of you, but he runs to you with compassion as one who is overjoyed to have you back, and he means it. As he said earlier in this 15th chapter of Luke, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Believe him, and God grant you to grow in your faith in this promise of the God of compassion, a love for you, the sinner. Still let thy love point out my way, what wondrous things thy love hath wrought. Still lead me, lest I go astray. Direct my work, inspire my thought. And if I fall, soon may I hear thy voice and know that love is near. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.